The movie guys love movies. Any comments about proving that there isn't any controversy that can't be explained away by a ton of explosions are purely for entertainment purposes only. Isn't that right, Michael Bay? He's the Oliver Stone of explosions. You know, he's the only person that can make those other parts of the world that are usually dusky and sepia colored look really shiny and like really pretty. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. I all of a sudden want to go to Libya. Exactly. He cleans Thank you, it Michael up. Bay. Mm-hmm. Wow, it has the opposite effect on me. <laughs> I think I've told you many times, I'm never going to Africa. Yeah, but if Michael Bay shot it, you'd go. Don't give a damn. Hollywood. I mean, Ridley Scott shot Black Hawk Down, and I am not going in. Ridley Scott knows how to shoot a movie. He's like the Ron Howard of really creepy places. Because Ron Bay? Howard, yeah, he can make everything look lovely, even if it's just really sad. But Michael Bay can make like really dirty, icky places where people die look really shiny. We're talking about 13 Hours, this new movie he directed about Benghazi. Is this the first God time? God bless you. Is this- <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's the kind Caius of thing you can here. expect for the a, next hour. You're get a pain in your side. <laughs> the, uh, is he the first mainstream director to get like a what would seem like a prestige project, a political thriller type of thing? No, Oliver Stone, right? Yeah, yeah. but he's more, uh, he's not mainstream. I think right? Spielberg has tackled a few of those. That's true. Good call, Jason. What with yeah. all the controversy surrounding Lincoln? <laughs> that's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> Munich, though. I give him Munich. Sure. Although time has passed a little. Who did Argo? This seems so of the moment. Uh, Affleck. Affleck, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty mainstream. But I'm always curious That's to again, see... 70s. Like, oh. like, hot topic of the moment. Like, and It's so controversial. I mean, Schindler's really List. Controversial. No? Schindler's List. Yeah. Too dated? That's, yeah. yeah. Too soon? Not soon enough. I think we know who the bad guy saying. was there. Not a no, bunch of hot I'm always interested to see who signs on to do these blatantly one-sided, or seemingly, you know, there's, there's a point of view that's not... Is this your point of view? No, let me start over. I assume (laughs) this is not going to be the most flattering portrayal of Hillary Clinton or the administration or the left as as how uh, in regards to how they handled this. So I'm always curious to see the actors that show up in a theoretically Republican movie if they want to work again here in Hollywood, right? Yeah, and I wonder if they it's just like I need I'll I'll take the. Or is it just a cool movie and people get over it and who cares? I didn't even notice that there was any sort of leaning when I watched the trailer. Well, the Benghazi scandal is you yeah, know the reason Hillary should be in jail. Not not that we're editorializing. I'm just saying that this is not this didn't, I didn't go well get for that them. from the trailer. I guess I just got that um some really elite forces are going to go beyond to save people's oh, lives. No, you're correct. That's what not, I got. Not from the trailer, but the event that they're recounting. Oh, or from what you're point of view is of the event they're recounting. Oh, this mean, is going to be a fun one. Right, we'll talk about 13 hours a little and later. But Adam's not here for this. I know. Oh, I should uh, s- explain oh, more then. Adam. Welcome to the big show, the movie showcast, everybody. Part of the vast and sprawling movie guy's empire. And don't blow smoke up our ass. It'll ruin our autopsy. You've reached ground zero for all things movies and comedy. We bring the two together right here on our show every week with jokes, rants, sketches, character, banter, bits, special guests, and more. We want to let you know what you're in for. Uh, as we broadcast here from our studio, the Admirals Club in the heart of Burbank Airport's flyover zone. Mm. They don't stop making movies, so we don't stop making comedy shows about movies, which means you can get a new show every week at themovieguys.net, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Vimeo, YouTube, etc. So that's the housekeeping. And the show is free, don't forget. And if you leave comments and share and like posts and all that stuff, also free. For now. For now. (laughs) So jump on board while you can. Uh, We're also at WBAD.net Fridays at 4 p.m. Basically search The Movie Guys on Yahoo, Bing, or Google. 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 And we come right up. I'm your host for the hardest working comedy show on the airwaves, Paul Preston, here with Bart Caius. Nobody wants to buy your drugs here, Louie. <laughs> and Karen Volpe. Hairless cats. Weird. 
Sitting in with us the whole show is a member of one of LA's best improv teams and the longest running house team at IO West, King Ten. And he's been a line producer on many different uh, cool projects, including with Bob and David, Check It Out with Dr. Steve Brule, (laughs) and Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job, plus producer of many short films. We'll talk to him a bunch here today. Jason Pardo is with us. Very generous. Thank you. Very generous. And as ever, we bring you... Movie previews. Does everything sound like it's going to be the Star Wars theme now? I Is really it just so it ingrained in my head that if there's a orchestral note? As soon as you said that, I was as soon as I heard the first note, I was thinking, I didn't bring any pre-prepared thoughts on Star Wars. <laughs> Darn. We're, we're riffing it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, no spoilers here. We haven't seen these movies, but uh, we're, we're just like you. We've seen the trailers, and we're going to riff on what we think the movie is going to be based on that. So this week has some pretty big names for what is normally the doldrums of January, including the aforementioned Michael Bay, who's directed a film clocking in at just 90 minutes longer than the 11 and a half hours of Hillary Clinton's testimony. It's Uh 13 hours, the secret soldiers of Benghazi. And for everyone that's dreamed of hearing Rob Schneider and Heather Graham have a conversation, special futuristic technology has been deployed to make your dreams come true in... Norm of the North. Because you know part of her contract was, I am not in the same studio with Rob Schneider when we're doing this. (laughs) And later in the show, makers of the Apple Box rejoice. Kevin Hart returns for the sequel to Ride Along, Ride Along Year? We'll find out what the title is as we go here. Here we go. All the new dealers in Atlanta are getting supplied through Antonio Pope in Miami. You need to get me something on this guy. Two days tops. So get a team together and fix this. Put me in on it, James. I'm like half cop, half puma. I'll get in your ass. <laughs> well, all right. I believe he will get in your ass. He could fit. He is such a diminutive man. I had no idea literally how tiny the guy is. Yeah, that Apple Box comment, for those of you who may not know, that whenever a smaller-sized actor needs to be as tall as the other actors, they just take these little boxes and they stand on them. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise has Has a lot of people use them to stand next to him. Ah! Yes. You'll have to be on one, Paul, when you you want to stand next to Tom. I Uh, do. He's the cruisiest. I didn't see Ride Along. Anybody here see that? No, I, th- I think you're fine going into this one. I think you'll you be able kids. to drop in right it? nice. Uh, did I bring my four and seven year old sons to see Ride Along? <laughs> no. no. Is it a rated R? I don't know. It seems like a kids movie. It's not. <laughs> it does seem like a does kids it? movie. Doesn't it? No, no. That's Are We There Yet? Oh. Yeah. That's what you're thinking. You don't know what you get with Ice Cube. Maybe. Yeah, Ice Cube's always in a car going somewhere. Right? Are We There Yet? Ride Along? Oh, no. Yeah. Straight out of Compton. So, then, of Compton. so then the kids didn't like it? All his movies take place in an Escalade. <laughs> Is that what you said? They, they just thought that it had some weakness in the plot. You know, <laughs> Act 3 had troubles from the start. But, you know, they granted that because they recognize the audience that it's built for. I like your kids. Yeah, they're good guys. <laughs> but uh, this movie's been made a million times, right? And uh, I'm not complaining. I'm just partners. saying. Yeah, and they're going somewhere. Yeah, it's 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 22 Jump Street. It's 21 Jump it's Street. Training it's, it's training day. It's training day. It's bad wait. boys. <laughs> It's 48 hours. Yeah, it's 48 hours. Michael Bay has two films coming out and is going to get paid for only one of them. (laughs) This is from the director of Fantastic Four, the first one, with uh, Yoan Griffith. He played Mr. Fantastic. I'm going to have to believe you on that one. Uh, me too. I'm not Listen, uh, speaking of the movieguys.net, which we did earlier, okay. head on over there. I should. I, I don't plug this site often enough, but you should go there, and when you're done listening to the show, when you're done listening to the show. Yeah, don't do it now. And uh, you can hear things like uh, my appearance on the Hater Nation show. Oh, yeah. Our mm-hmm. East Coast uh, podcasters-in-law. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Movie reviews are there, some new stuff. There's also, oh, when I was on the Hater Nation, we discussed Star Wars at length, Mm. as you can imagine. And there's a new article on there called Let Him Finish the Job. This is something that, I don't know, what sticks in my craw about movies, where they, it's a biopic, and at the end, they have to show you the real guy. 
That's oh, the, I saw this that you were complaining about. I don't, this. I, well, I guess complaining. I'm sort of analyzing, figuring is this a good thing? I don't know. I it love seems it. It's weird. I love it. You do? Yeah, like at the end of Blow, when they brought the real Blow guy. What's the Blow guy's <laughs> name? The real Blow guy up who just got out of prison recently, I think. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. When they brought the real, when they put the real Johnny Depp on screen, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what he. Lo-. I always like that. Always kind of. Yeah, I find to it me as it's a, like, oh, oh, wow, they really took some. Liberties with the casting. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I like to see as well. <laughs> <laughs> because then you know there's hope when they make your story. They can still use Tom Cruise. That's right. It all started with... Uh, it's, Gene... It doesn't seem like an incredible ask no. if Tom Cruise can blame me. John Siskel... <laughs> John Siskel. Gene Siskel said... Uh, Less successful he, he brother. Was watching, he was watching What's Love Got to Do With It many years ago, obviously. <clears throat> that was a wee nip watching this review, and it stuck with me since then that he's like... Tina Turner comes on the screen at the end of that movie, and it's like, I didn't need her at that point. I, I, I was so into Angela Bassett, just let her finish the movie. And yeah. I got behind that to the point where I now watch that every time. Even as recent as Love and Mercy, the new Brian Wilson movie, Brian Wilson comes on at the end. We don't need him. He does, I guess, and he sings a song, and it's like, I get that. We couldn't be further apart on this, because really? if they don't show me the guy at the end of the movie, I'm looking him up when I get home. Then do that. Oh, okay. Oh, After I, Braveheart was over, I had to go research all this stuff to find out. Well, did this all really happen with William Wallace? And da yeah. da, da da da. I don't care if he looked like Mel Gibson. He was or not. He was not available. <laughs> well, that's that's, that's how my article. True. That's how my article ends. Would Scorsese have cut to Christ actually on the cross <laughs> at the end of Last of Day? Just to let you know how really hard the struggle was. That's funny. That's. <laughs> and he would not, by the way, because he's not a hack. Plus, those pictures are tough to find. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, our first film of the weekend is an animated Christ selfie. On yeah. the <laughs> and then he makes that fish face. <laughs> Duck lips on the crown. Uh, yeah. okay. uh, we're all going yeah. to hell. Right uh, this is a first film of the weekend is an animated polar bear adventure. It looks like what you get when you cross Kung Fu Panda with Ice Age and subtract the Smurfs. It's Deuce Bigelow, Bear Gigolo, or something. Uh, Karen, you might be better helping yeah. me out here by explaining Norm of the North. Paul, I am going to do my best to explain this to you. All right, here you go. This pioneering documentary film depicts the lives of a polar bear voiced by Rob Schneider of Canada's northern Quebec region. Although the production contains some fictional elements, it vividly shows how its resourceful subject survives in a harsh climate, revealing how, with the help of his furry sidekicks, they construct their igloo homes and find food by hunting and fishing. The film also captures the unforgiving, maniacal developer who wants to build luxury condominiums in the Arctic frozen landscape of the Great White North, far removed from conventional civilization. There it is. Mm -hmm. Damn, Karen, I didn't know you would be so into this movie. That's excellent research. Actually, I just took Norm of the North as IMDb profile, what it was called, and then I also took Nanook of the North and just combined them, and I barely changed a word. Well, if nothing, we're known for our journalistic integrity. Exactly. First and foremost. Let's just play a clip so people okay. know what film we're talking about. It's January, so here's, you know, one of these. When it's time to shine, I'm going to be so rich when I sell off the Arctic. It's going to be condos, shopping malls. That's my home. <laughs> Vera, get my lawyer. We're going to copyright that roar and make it into a ringtone. Wow, never has wow. a Taylor Swift song so complicated the antics of a talking polar bear in New York. I've already lost track of what I was saying. Taylor Swift, so that's where the budget went. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a tale of a polar bear named Norm. <laughs> and his beloved Arctic uh, is being inhabited by human beings. According to this movie's official website, Norm's... Norm! 
greatest gripe is simple. There's no room for tourists in the Arctic. Oh, oh it takes every shred of self-control for me to not move to the Arctic right now. Okay, so he's upset that the tourists don't have enough space and he wants to make room for them? No, no, no. No, uh, no room for tourists, meaning that they don't belong there. Oh, so he's a racist bear. Well, that sounds weird, though. I'm a little confused. Yeah, well, that didn't take much. No. After Norm... Norm! All right, all right. And his fellow Arctic friends realize that the intrusion of man threatens their habitat, Norm... <laughs> Uh, decides to go to New York City. New York City! <laughs> Why is it always New York City? Why don't animated characters end up visiting Tuskegee, Alabama, or Boise, Idaho? That's a very good point. They it's true. They always go to New York. And it's always a concrete jungle and San scary. Francisco, no one goes to San Francisco. No, no one it, goes to Burbank. It sounds like this movie is a patchwork of everyone's first idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why they go to New York. And there's a, I don't know, a land developer. Just whatever. Just He's in New York. Does he work at an ad agency? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. He's a bad guy. Twists his mustache. It'll be great. <laughs> I think he is. Well, once in New York, he... Eats everybody? No, he tries to convince the real estate developer, Mr. Green, not to build condos. By eating him. No, he goes to New York City to try and talk him out of it. Why doesn't he just eat everybody? <laughs> Premise solved in ten seconds. Point taken. They all eat everybody, right? Isn't that what we all know about polar That's bears? Polar bears. Yogi, polar. Yogi <laughs> just eats everybody and picnic baskets. And if you grew up in Watertown, New York, he ate two boys in my town. Oh, fantastic. Wow. True story. They okay. threw uh, some friends of his through a jacket in the polar bear cage, and he went in to get them, and his friend went in to help, and <gasps> it ended in tragedy. Wow. Wow. Okay, at the zoo. Yeah. Oh. Like they're not just wandering <laughs> Watertown. Because I'm from upstate New York, too, and I didn't know I he just wandered that. the streets of Watertown. Yeah. Recess is pretty tricky in Watertown. <laughs> Thompson Park Zoo. Look it up. Wow. Oh, that's so fun. Good morning, everybody. There's a movie. <laughs> the Arctic is a rather barren, lifeless, and desolate land, just like Watertown. <laughs> kind of like Cleveland. Nonetheless, the evil Mr. Trump, or whoever the bad guy is in this movie, thinks the ideal place to build luxury condos for a whole new generation of gentrified hipsters would be, of course, the Arctic. And those lovable minions are back to make the audiences laugh when nothing else in the scene is working. No, those aren't minions. Those <laughs> are animals. Oh, no, of course I meant those lovable penguins of Madagascar are back <laughs> to carry on their antics behind the scenes. Nope. Lemurs? No, those are actually oh, lemmings. Lemmings. They imitate one another, like uh -huh. this movie and the others you mentioned. Now, Norm <laughs> and his ragtag lemming friends take to the mean streets of Manhattan where Norm <laughs> is seduced by the glitz and glamour of the Big Apple and unwittingly finds himself the mascot of the very corporation that is trying to bulldoze his home into HOA hell. Oh, the irony. I think this plot might also be computer generated because it almost looks like one. Rob Schneider's ship has finally come in, and I, for one, couldn't be happier for this plucky little actor whose never-say-die attitude has inspired me throughout the years. Rob Schneider, I always knew that... You can do it! 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 Yes, Rob Schneider is finally fulfilling fan requests and appearing in movies where he doesn't have to be seen. So why do a film like this now if you're Rob Schneider? Well, after his buddies Adam Sandler and Chris Rock... Lapped up cartoon money in Hotel Transylvania in Madagascar. Why not jump on that train? Afro circus, Afro circus, Afro. Poke it up, poke it up, poke it up, Afro. Just how annoying will this movie be? Well, let's just say the trailer contains both the phrases "cabrabuya" and "life can be a real bear." I think I found a way to make my make up to my aunt for that time I took her to see Sweeney Todd because I thought she liked musicals. There you go. <laughs> she didn't like Sweeney Todd.
That's Norm of the North. First of all, Norm of the North. That was way too much Norm of the North. It I had really no was. idea we had that much. I, but, yeah, too much material. I turned another page and I went, no kidding. Oh, yeah, we're still on this. <laughs> yeah. And how many sleepless nights is Chris Rock still having because of that? That's <laughs> just <laughs> like on his, hear that? on his bed of money. Well, that's true, too. Yeah. <laughs> But it just sounds like you can hear sellout in that. You can just hear it. Like all edgy artistic integrity is just out the window. Maybe you can hear the gun that's being pointed at his <laughs> From head. off screen? Yeah. Like Linda Lovelace? You know, in a weird way, I kind of enjoyed it. It's funny, like, but it's no. Chris Rock. <laughs> Madagascar? Yeah, I kind oh. of enjoyed that clip you just uh, played. Oh, yeah. That cracked me up. Always. Listen, remember when that first came I out, know. I said, oh, you know, oh, why... You know, do kids really get into this? Yeah. And then my friend Hillary said yeah. the kids are walking around the house going, circus, afro. And so it hits, you know, the well, guys know what they're know, doing more than I do. I have one of those alarm clocks that you can record something and that's what you wake up to. And I currently have it playing the music at the beginning of Groundhog Day. Every time he wakes up, I have Brian Doyle Murray and those guys talking. And uh, Harold It's Miss. cold outside. It's cold outside. <laughs> I could put that circus thing on. That'd get me out of bed. That would get you out, out of bed. Out of bed. Yeah. My alarm used to be who let the dogs out, and uh, one night my, my uh, girlfriend at the time, then fiance, uh, was over, and my computer had a glitch, so <gasps> the screaming top volume version of the beginning of who let the dogs out went off at two o'clock in the morning, and I couldn't turn it off. <laughs> I'm unplugging wires. It was cartoonish to the screams of who let the dogs out, and she woke up in a panic. It was... It was. Uh, it was That's a, worse than a smoke alarm when you're cooking a steak. Yeah, it was a <laughs> right because there, there's a there's a, a sense of panic when the smoke alarm goes off and you're cooking a steak. I can only imagine what who let the dogs off. At least there's some context. You understand? Yeah. Like, okay, well there's a steak cooking, so we're in no real danger. But in this case, but you might be in real danger with who let the dogs out. Yeah, that was a coin flip as to what. I, I need further context. How does that song get? on your alarm clock to begin with? Uh, I had a computer, which you could record anything you wanted, yeah. and uh, it used to be me screaming at myself, get up, Jason, you gotta go to the airport, or something <laughs> silly like that. Uh, and then when a girl entered the picture, well, things sure. changed to who let the dogs out. Uh, it was just the alarm that I had uh, scheduled to Very wake cool. myself up. I noticed there was a progression in that girlfriend that kind of stopped. Oh, uh, no, 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 she's she, now my she wife. Oh, okay, it. great. She yeah. made it past Good. the who let the dogs girlfriend out fiance, test. And then on went the story, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, I wonder yeah. whatever happened to girlfriend fiance. Well, it was uh, it was a dicey time, but uh, we made it through, and here we are. If you can make it anyway. through that, thank you, Karen. We Let's can say make thanks. it through <laughs> Norm of the North. You <laughs> can. <laughs> oh, so I well, I, 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 I remember you saw the trailer, and you were like, "I this looks fun." It didn't look fun, and it was all shiny, just like a Michael Bay movie. It takes place in Benghazi. Oh, it does. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I I you know normally don't have a lot of things to write. I have ideas about things and my thoughts on things, feelings about feelings about things, feelings but I don't actually put words to paper when it comes to the jokies. Because I get all nervous about it. But I honestly found the IMDb thing. And I was reading it, trying to figure out what the movie is about. Then I was like, isn't there a Nanook thing? Oh, yeah, Literally Nanook. put them together and took out maybe the and and. And it's almost the same movie. Has only. anyone here seen Nanook of the North? Oh, yeah. We all took film courses, right? You have to watch Nanook of the North. I never did. I never, oh, no? No, no, no. no. Yeah, I, there... I watched like Mildred Pierce. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we had to watch it as a part of a it's intro film course. It's got some live stuff in it. There's some stuff that's not true. Exactly. Yeah. It, there, there's there's plenty of Michael Moore moments where they stage the reality yeah. of the thing. Kind of like Norm of the North. Yeah. Exactly. Have you uh, have you guys seen Documentary Now? Bill no. Hader and no. oh my gosh, uh, it is. Was that him and Armisen? Or, yeah, Fred yeah. Armisen, Bill Hader do uh, send ups of 
uh, classic documentaries, but they do them with such reverence and such love that it's not just uh, it's not just a parody. It's it's instead it's it's kind of an homage mixed in satire, and they do a Nanook one that is. <laughs> Some of the biggest laughs that I've had wow. uh, in a long time. It's it's really worth That's a look. Awesome. I saw them on Seth Meyers' show because mm-hmm. he's a producer on that, mm-hmm. right? And they were playing their fake band. I guess oh, yeah, they yeah. did one where they were a band and they played a couple of songs. It was kind of an Eagles yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. thing. Blue Jean, uh, Blue Jean Committee? Blue Jean Committee. Blue Jean so it's committee. an amalgam of a bunch of documentaries? Yeah, they, they do one every, you know, there was, uh, I think, six episodes. Oh, in it's first a series. Six or seven, okay. yeah. yeah. <gasps> okay. it's, it's on IFC. That's what you do on this show is plug other shows. Am I wrong? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. That's what we do. Yeah, and films. <laughs> uh, well, listen, I don't think we're ever going to get the uh, animal murdering oil company version of Norm of the North, so we have this goofy one for That's fun. Nice. That's the one Michael Bay would make. Right. I think yeah. Rob Schneider proves that you don't need celebrities to voice your characters, right? <laughs> Jesus. Now, why Actually, do we why not are we so like, hard on I Rob? like Rob Schneider. I like Rob Schneider, but he is the, he, he's... You know, Rob Schneider. He has served himself up as an easy target. <laughs> I don't think yeah. he would argue that. I have a new job where I sit by the coffee machine, and uh. I just sit there. And do my work or oh, whatever. Okay. Yeah, but you might people, want to finish that sentence. Yeah, I just do sit work. there. And do <laughs> I do work and stuff. And, um, Technically, people, it's not a job. Yeah. No one hired her. <laughs> it sounds like a, I just showed there. up. Sounds like you're in trouble. <laughs> Go sit so, by the coffee maker. I sit by the coffee maker and people come up and I don't know everybody, so I want to get to know everybody and I'm sort of weighing the option of doing the the Rob Schneider character Ooh, from SNL. Ooh, can I chime in? Don't do it. <laughs> so I mentioned it to a guy and we started laughing and then I was like, you know, I could do the coffeinator Making coffee. Because, you know, they're not making copies. They're well, making coffee. That and I assume the office is, is maybe they're, a little real, young. It's young, yeah. And they have no, they, no they'll idea. think you're doing original <laughs> stuff. think you're a loon. They're, they already do. <laughs> All right. All right, let's get on to our next yes. one. For the love of God. We're leaving Norm of the North. We are. Uh, but we, there's we, fart oh, jokes. Wait, go, 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 how old are your go, go, kids? Go. Oh, that's right. We've got to attend to that. <laughs> Currently <laughs> seven and four. So ah, this will is you right When there. this airs, seven and four. Uh-huh. This is right there. Will you take that? To this, yeah. if nothing else is showing, I may take them to see It's us. January, so yeah. you're going. So nothing is yeah. <laughs> but Yeah, uh, it's this and Revenant. Revenant. The Revenant. You can take them to the Revenant? Uh, it's like Nanook of the North. No, I won't be taking anyone to the Revenant. Oh, bless you. All right, well, let's look at a movie that is as relevant as today's headlines on redstate.net. It's 13 Hours, <laughs> The go, Secret Bart. Soldiers of Benghazi. Bart, let's talk about it. This tough guy war pick that exemplifies... Manuary. Yeah, we haven't had a good manuary in about a year. <laughs> it's been about a year since manuary. In Ted Cruz's best campaign commercial yet, The Secret. Ooh, they're secrets? I'll see any movie with secrets. Just don't spoil whether or not there are any soldiers of, that, of Benghazi in this movie. The Secret, spoiler alert, Soldiers of <sighs> Benghazi is directed by Michael Bay, director of Armageddon, Pearl Harbor, and Shia LaBeouf. Well, he returns to blow up things on the big screen again, but this time it's for America. Also, like all the others. <laughs> they couldn't just call it 13 hours because test audiences thought it was the, it was named after the length of the House Subcommittee on Benghazi. Committee Chairman Trey Gowdy said he'll call on Michael Bay to, quote, make as many movies as it takes for us to get to the bottom of this. Didn't know Michael Bay was a Republican, but I hear he's an asshole. I'm not saying that all Republicans are assholes, but if you mean an asshole, chances are he's Republican. That's actually a Bill Maher joke. Uh, okay. 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 Quote our sources. What it's really the return of is the Michael Bay drinking game. The rules are simple. One drink for every explosion, two drinks for American flags and sun- sunsets. Now, we used to do a drink for every chesty bravado, but nobody was left standing after pain and gain. I think cineasts 
Following the career of Michael Bay, who studied this movie, will note the returning theme of transformation. In this case, oh. the transformation of a tragedy into a political football. <laughs> Turns out beards do more than make you look masculine at award shows. Beards can also make you look masculine on movie screens. John Krasinski adds six pounds of facial hair and 20 pounds of muscle to play the role of Jack Silva, a beefed-up special ops operative that is part of a team of military veterans who fought valiantly to save the life of an American ambassador after the U.S. Embassy in Libya came under attack from a group of Islamic militants. Krasinski, along with his other ex-Navy SEALs and Marine Force Reconners and Army Special Forces, try to defend the U.S. Embassy. Here's a clip where Krasinski and his team discuss infield tactics. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I never let anyone walk behind me. Seven out of ten attacks are from the rear. Okay, well that still leaves a 30% chance that I'll attack you from the front. Uh, yeah, but it'll be easier to stop. <laughs> I can always block the blow. Counter it. <laughs> I think that was a clip. Uh-huh. Uh, that was quietly brilliant, Paul. That was well done. <laughs> that brings up a good point. These are ex-military soldiers, not our own U.S. military men and women, so they're technically working outside the law. This is just the kind of stuff that'll have Iron Man crawling up your ass in no time. <laughs> it's this generation Zero Dark Thirty. Wait, I mean, it's this year's Zero Dark Thirty. No, wait, that's this week's Zero Dark Thirty. There is a red band trailer for this movie, but don't get too excited. <laughs> the only difference is 20 added seconds of Hillary Clinton sitting at her computer in her basement with an open bathrobe deleting emails. The, Ob the Obama administration initially claimed that the attacks on the embassy were the reaction to a YouTube video called Innocence of Muslims. It's ironic that Michael Bay would direct this movie since he's usually responsible for people storming out of a building rather into it. No. If nothing else, the film proves once again that white men are still heroes. In fact, this is the perfect feel-good movie for those militiamen who took over that bird sanctuary in Oregon. Too bad they're holed up there and won't get to see it. Do we win? I don't want to give away the ending, but the military Humvees trans transform into robots and kill the terrorists. There you go, that's... Transformers thing. I heard a, like a don't. <laughs> Homer Simpson appears. Listen, listen that first. Play it again. Yeah, oh, do we have bit. to? It's so weird. <laughs> it is, right? It's like Barney Rubble getting hit in the head. <laughs> it's just so much metal noise stuff. It really yes. is. It's from another yeah. world, Karen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, you haven't seen these movies, but these are about aliens. Uh, uh, I haven't seen the Transformers I've seen movies? the ride. I understand. Glenn <laughs> Morshaw yeah. Did you pay attention me. at the queue line? I did. Glenn yeah. Morshaw was like, here's the deal. I need to go get the Yaga Daga. All spark. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, I will do that. And I do. Is Glenn doing that? Yeah, Glenn Morshaw is in the line, dude. <laughs> he is a fantastic. It's cool. Did what that? if your name is Benghazi? There's a guy. Ben I looked it up. There's Gazi. a guy in Texas. His name is Ben... In Texas. He's probably carrying his own firearms. His name is Ben Ghazi. Is it spelled Ghazi? Benjamin Ghazi, Benjamin yeah. Ghazi? Well, there's a couple of, like, gazies you weren't sure if... But this is, like, verbatim spelling. <laughs> I bet he spent his whole words. life going, it's not Gazi, right. it's Ghazi. <laughs> and now... Whoops. They know. Now this. Now they know. Uh, politics aside, interesting turn for Krasinski, and I think he's mm -hmm. pulling it off. I, I believe him as tough guy. I you know uh, once again, beard means serious. Beard right. means tough. So he did that. Or it mm -hmm. means that you pay, play the banjo. 
Does it? Yes, banjo or upright bass. Mumford. Mumford. Oh, okay. the, uh, well, yeah, he doesn't have hipster beard. He has like Navy SEAL beard. Oh, good. tough guy beard. He, no, he, he has local fair blend in beard. Yeah, he put on the weight. I mean, yeah. he, he did. A, he pulled a. He's married to Emily Blunt. Yes. So he wanted to be at least as tough as her. Yeah. Because right. in Edge of to- Edge of <laughs> Tomorrow luck. and Sicario, she's badass. Yeah. So he had to step it up. He yeah. looks good with the weight on. And mm-hmm. Looper. Yeah. Yeah. I can go on about Emily Blunt movies if you want. Please. <laughs> Wolfman. How, how far are you going? Uh, back to Looper. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm literally watching it going, who is that? <laughs> are you in love with her? Uh, on screen, sure. Yeah, sure. me too. Yeah, she gives quite a performance. Yeah. The Edge of Tomorrow. Sicario, I think. We'll talk about best films of the year here one of these weeks, but that's going to be my top ten, I think. Is anybody else badass. in love with his... his Edge of Tomorrow as I was. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tom, Tom, Tom Cruise guy here. What a turnaround! Just, yeah. Is that your favorite Tom Cruise movie? Uh, that's a great question, and the answer is probably yes. Wow. Have I think you seen he gives, Night and Day? I think he gives the performance of his career. Uh, I think he nails right where he's supposed to be. Uh, you might have to go back to Few Good Men, uh, but given where he was at the time uh, of this movie and the the potential for disaster that I thought this movie <laughs> promised, that looked like it was going to be awful, uh, I, I was just blown away about how much fun it was. You know, there was some talk about that movie not being good and then um, it was revealed that Tom Cruise was going to be in it so there was oh. no possible <laughs> chance that that was ever going to be the case. Well, The Fault in Our Stars came out and wiped it off the map and they couldn't decide on the title. Because, oh, that's right. It was yeah. Live, Die, Repeat. I, well, that's what they advertised it as. At least no, that's it what was on the poster. No, it became Live, Die, yeah, yeah. Repeat. And yeah. then they couldn't decide and that's never a good sign for your movie as to what you want to call it. Still made $100 because that's what you're in for if Tom Cruise is in your movie. Oh, yeah. You're going to get $100 million. Yeah. Yeah, yep. it, it did extremely well. And then I, you're I see overseas. it again. Your overseas will make your money back. Yeah, and watch okay. it again. I but, did. Yeah, me yeah. too. I, and I gotta need to watch it one more time, I think, because I have to memorize Bill Paxton's speech. That speech is amazing. Twice I've seen yeah. it, and I haven't memorized his speech yet. I have to, because he says it a hundred times. It's always hilarious when he does, hey, and he starts doing his thing again, you know, and you know where you're back at the beginning. I'd like to see this Krasinski in the office dealing with Michael Scott and with Dwayne. Dwight. 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 It would have been a very different office. I wonder if he brings a sensitive fare to this ragtag band of misfits. He doesn't say a word in this trailer. I mean, if all That's this true. Krasinski talk about how we buy him, it's all James Badge Dale doing the talking in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, because he welcomes tough. there, and he's welcoming him and saying about he, him to everybody. He does a lot of mugging to the camera yeah. when, when the when the embassy gets stormed. He goes, well, I told you. <laughs> yeah. He does the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, Will. A lot of told you. <laughs> yeah, can, I, can I throw some water on the comedy show for a second Uh-oh. and dissect this trailer? Uh, is anybody yes. else frustrated with the manipulation that's taking place in this trailer? There's a scene, a standoff between some locals who are stopping them at a checkpoint, yeah. and then somebody gives a very uh, deliberate line, and then another character that is clearly not in that scene, as is evidenced by other scenes in the trailer, is responding to this guy's oh. line. So it is a pure manipulation of that scene. It's a pure edit. It's a pure edit. And it's simply there to show the dialogue as if the people who are creating the trailer haven't even seen the film and therefore go, no, 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 this is what people will respond to. Yeah. You nailed it. I didn't notice it in that one, but I have been noticing this a lot lately where not, not only is action not matching up in trailers, but you can hear the audio Tonality difference. Um, uh, the forest movie we just did, uh, Sea of Trees and Forests and uh, Abakabi uh, Japanese forest, right Forest. Yeah, the yeah. forest, yeah. <laughs> um, that trailer has has like a, a hard <clears throat> splice, a hard edit <clears throat> in the dialogue. They did and it for could, Star Wars. Did they? Yeah, with the lead uh, character, the the CG character asking questions of the of the, of Ray, uh, and that kind of dialogue back and forth that isn't in the movie. You can tell. There's a ton of clips. 
from that trailer that are not in the movie. Right. Including the teaser, all of Luke Skywalker's dialogue does not in However, the movie. some of Ray's dialogue is in that exchange that was in the trailer, but her questions are not. At any rate. At any uh, rate, it's a different <laughs> Chewie were home than there was in the trailer. <laughs> and that is true. It's a different take. The there's one was to get you in and the other one's different. Anyway. I'm just I'm shocked that there's not a better way to do that by now. As far as we've come with filmmaking and storytelling and so on, that they still revert to the almost copywriting version of delivering questions and answers for the audience in films. I, I've seen some spectacular trailers that do it really well and still pique my interest. And maybe that's the problem. My interest, right? We're talking about separate audiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, water on a comedy show. <laughs> and I know, it's a movie show. Yeah, too. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> if that takes you out, it takes you out. I you think know? that that's a really good point because there's some movies where you don't need to know, spoiler alert, you don't need to know that uh, Tom Hanks is going to see Blondie McBlunderson, Helen, Helen Hunt again at the end of the movie with him and the. Castaway. Cast I got away. this. Thank you. So Tom Hanks. <laughs> we see that in the preview. Not only do you, you do. not need to know I don't it, need to know that. It robs an entire, entire movie. reveal yeah. for you that clearly the screenwriter and the people who drafted yeah. the scripts and everybody intended that to be an experience for you. Yeah, why is the trailer showing me? Don't because worry. Because some they jackass sat in a room and goes, oh yeah, that's the part that people responded to, so we're going to put that part in the trailer. The certainly. knobs went and really far to the right they, when yeah. that of happened. Of course they responded to it because they didn't know it was going to happen. Of course. So when you see it in the trailer, the people are not going to respond the same way when they see the movie now. So, again, I thought Star Wars' trailer was fantastic. There was an old movie called Battle Los Angeles. And when I say old, oh, I yes. mean four or yeah, five years yeah. ago. Sure, that's very old. Uh, yeah. Did anybody get suckered into the movie like I did? I saw it. Yeah. Man, what a trailer, right? With that really <laughs> empty, kind of dark, uh, computerized, uh, monotone... Uh, reveal of things and there was barely any dialogue in it it was all atmospheric yeah. and then I went to see that movie and I mm. oh god just, I was furious just running around Louisiana <laughs> with bad dialogue it was yeah. hot <laughs> garbage and so not what they had promised and oh man was I upset so with this film what they promise you looks like and I side with you on that it looks like a right wing agenda film but I can see your point that Mm -hmm. maybe some people don't pick up on that and I think that's really cleverly done Mm -hmm. is that it checks enough boxes for enough people that it casts an audience wet net wide enough that it does its job it draws in people to the movie well I I call it right winged agenda only because it clearly tells the truth but anyway I I seldom get to make my points like this so I'm going to take it I will let you thank you if you if you breeze over that asshole Republican joke yeah yeah, all for the sake of comedy take your stand take your stand all for the sake of comedy all right Karen let's talk about the final film of the movie going weekend sure Paul the classic comedy team of Ice Cube and Chris Tucker return to the big screen it's it's not Chris Tucker no No, Chris Tucker doesn't do movies anymore and we're all okay with that this is Kevin Hart ah Ice Cube and Kevin Hart return as brothers in law in the movie appropriately titled Brothers in Law. It's also not called that. What? I think you've once again done all your research in your brain. But you agree that Brothers in Law is a way better title, right? Yeah. You're going to put that pause in it? Yes. Then maybe. All right, let's talk about it. <laughs> the brothers-in-law. Ben, played by Kevin Hart, was trying to prove himself to his future wife's cop brother James, played by Ice Cube. Which leads to the two having what the police call a ride-along. Hey, that's a good title for a movie. Maybe a subtitle. Now that Kevin Hart's proven himself in the first movie, Ice Cube still hates him. But maybe he plays generally annoyed at Kevin Hart so that audiences will identify with the character. 
Besides, what would I do with a calm, understanding Ice Cube performance? <laughs> so, the two head off to the number one destination for sequels with newfound going outside money. Miami! Making brothers-in-law <laughs> assignment Miami. An even better title than every title in 2015, I think. So here's a clip. I'm not putting on my seatbelt. You're not putting no seatbelt on? Thug life. life. What? Thug, Thug life. No seatbelts? Not for me. Hey, man. Thug Hey, hey. Tupac was one of the biggest thugs I know, and he always wore his seatbelt. That's a good point. Okay. Was that as funny as the first time? They were in a car. Yeah. yeah. That was right along. Uh, Ken Jong also makes an appearance, and I know what you're thinking. Will we see his penis? Reports are that his penis will not be making an appearance in this movie because contract negotiations broke down when Ken's penis said the part they offered him was too small. <laughs> I tried, Paul. <laughs> I tried with that. James and Ben try to bring down a drug dealer who's been supplying their hometown of Atlanta with a bunch of drugs. And we're talking about the bad kind of drugs, you know, like cocaine, marijuana, and heroin. Mm. Not the good kinds of drugs like Xanax and Percocet and Valium and Oxycodone. Okay, Paul, we get it. And Vicodin and Codeine and Morphine. All right, okay, take a chill pill right there. Oh, chill pill, good idea. But the real taking time bomb here is whether or not Kevin Hart's character, Ben Barber, can get back in time for his wedding. So it's kind of like The Hangover. Kind of, but not really. But it does star Ken Jong. So, yeah, just like The Hangover, exactly. You like The Hangover, right? Without drawing much attention to it, Ice Cube has been appearing in a variety of sequels. After the film Friday, he was in Next Friday. He did 21 Jump Street and then 22 Jump Street. And now Ride Along and Ride Along 2, plus Barbershop, Barbershop 2, and the upcoming Barbershop The Next Cut. That's a lot of sequels, which begs the question... Shouldn't he be doing a movie with Dwayne Johnson right about now? <laughs> After the success of the first ride-along, it's no surprise that they would make a sequel, just like the Paul Blart movies. Here's a final clip. See? Actually, I think that was a Paul Blart clip. Was it Paul? Paul, was it? Still makes me laugh. Paul Blart being thrown around. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually see a Paul, Paul Blart movie? I can't even see I saw the first one. Yeah? Yeah, it's it's actually kind of cute and endearing. And right? It's, uh, have you seen it? No, but I like, I've <laughs> right? seen it. No, I it. saw the no, ad saw in the it. mall, and it was cool because he's riding a little scooter on this like thing. You walk by, and his eyes follow you. Yeah. It's cool. It, it doesn't take itself seriously, which yeah. is nice, and there's, there's a quirky little smallness to it. I like small movies. I like when people figure out how to make movies that... Afterwards, you go, hey, that took place in three rooms. Oh, that's pretty clever. So yeah. it takes place at the mall, and he's, he's got a crush on a girl, and it's it's him you know, floundering to impress her. It's pretty would funny. you say it under-promised and over-delivered? It would. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's my kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, you nailed that. These I should be seeing. I, I do like what? Ice Cube. The ride along. Oh, oh yeah. I, I like, yeah, I like these guys. They'll be funny. Yeah. It's I, just Kevin Hart having a spaz attack for an hour and a half. That's great. He puts out like five movies a year, doesn't he? He's got, because he ironically has one coming out with Dwayne Johnson oh. this summer called Central Intelligence or something like I'm that. I'm a big fan of that cartoon from Warner Brothers where the big dog is walking and he's just kind of going, dur, 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 and his little buddy is next to him going, hey, Spike, hey, Spike. That's this movie. That's this and movie. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love those. Yeah. This, this is a, a serialized version of that tale, which I think a lot of Hollywood is becoming, don't you? Yeah. I'm surprised the it's sequel's coming out. It's tried and true. I'm surprised the mm -hmm. sequel's coming out in January, though, because I thought the first one was a springtime hit. I thought they'd go summer on the sequel. Now that they know they got 
people who like this. Yeah, it's, it seems like though that there's a this movie's going to make money no matter where it comes out. So That's let's let's fill January with something. And bury that 13 hours Benghazi movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, it definitely is counter programming, as we say, because the, I will go see this before I probably see the soldier one. This is a varied slate of movies for this yeah. weekend. Yeah, there's something for everybody. I mean, and then for the for the kids, for Jason's kids, so this is yeah. good. You know, mm-hmm. for the kids. For the kids, because apparently they don't like these ride-along movies <laughs> or whatever it's called. Snobs. They're not into that kind Your of thing. Your four and seven-year-old, real snob. <laughs> so cinephile-looking. <laughs> All right, well, enough of this nonsense. Let's move on to some new nonsense with our special guest. Yay! A comedian improviser, you've heard him here all show long, and a filmmaker who can be seen regularly with a long-lasting improv troupe, no small feat to be long-lasting. That's a big deal. Uh, At I.O. West, King 10, and a line producer to many TV shows. We'll get to the bottom of it all with Jason Pardo. Yay! Hello, Hello. Yay! First question, any relation to any of the Pardos that I may have heard uh, of? Don Pardo is a distant uncle. Nice. Uh, yeah, he doesn't know me. Jimmy uh, Pardo? God rest him. Jimmy Pardo, I wish I were related to him. You don't uh, look not unlike him. You know, I always thought I was, but it might be some sort of, you know, I read a bunch of books about aliens and thought, I must oh. have been abducted by aliens. <laughs> uh, I always thought that Jimmy and I were related, having come from the same area of the country and so on. Uh, and I actually uh, went to a show and uh, did a did a, did a a session on his show. A uh, huge fan of his, but uh, my in laws or pardon me my my distant relatives tell me that jimmy uh, and I are not let related. me just put this out there for those people in the audience who don't know mm. who jimmy pardo is what who's jimmy pardo <laughs> is this possible i'm talking for myself <laughs> uh he, he for the longest time he was the warm-up warm-up guy for conan still is is okay. he still mm. yeah yep. and he's a he's a he writes for the show and he writes and he's a he's a well-treaded uh but he likes stand-up aliens? comic of the circuit i'm confused um, no, wow. that's no, no. That's Jason Pardo. Jason's uh, theory. Is yeah, that he's because an alien. I became so enamored with Jimmy Pardo before I met him. Oh, and so cool. Long. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I always. You're still enamored well, we after you met related. him. Oh yes, okay. completely. He couldn't be enamored. Because it sounded gent. like until you met him, you were enamored, then like... and then you no. He is a brilliant podcaster. <laughs> runs a cool. great show. Yeah, check him out. Never not funny. Never no, not funny with Jimmy Pardo. Great yeah. title. Very cool. Yeah. Speaking now, of great titles, I loved your title for Brothers in Law. Was that yours? Brothers. I think it's uh, Adam. It's actually Adam. Who's yeah. Not thank here you. Well, well yeah. it's in the movie. It's one of the first oh, is lines it? in the trailer. Oh, it's a line in the movie. Oh, which yeah. Funnier. They're not using it the way we were. They're yeah. just saying we're the brothers in law, and he's like, "Don't call me that." Yeah. They're arguing about the fact that they're brothers. It should be the name of the movie. It should be at least right along colon brothers in law. I will put a hundred dollars on the fact that that was one of the pitch titles. It had to be. It had to be. It's strong, and I can't believe that's not the choice. Yeah. But there, well. you might you you run the risk of people not figuring out that it's right along year two. Right. Oh, so sure. you don't you don't want to lose the I meant, audience. I meant for the original film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, oh. he's right. And then right this would be one? Brothers in Law Two. What, does, what, what promise does Ride Along make? Not much. No. But no. Brothers in Law? Come on. Yeah. It says it all. <laughs> it it does. Really and does. we all know a brother in law. Who had you the know? idea? Yeah. Who, who had the idea for Made Men? Somebody in this room had the idea where, where, where mafia guys become housekeepers? Oh, right. <laughs> made Men? It's not mine. It's not mine. It's either Adam or somebody, somebody had a great title, Made yeah, Men. Made Men. I know puns are frowned upon in <laughs> no. you know, advanced we Western it. civilization, no. but I love a good pun. There's oh. nothing better than a I, good one. A good, a, a good one? When you don't see it coming, it kind of hits you from the behind? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, one that works. Come on. Hmm. That's brothers-in-law. That's so, brothers-in-law. So, Jason, we got <laughs> yeah. a little distracted. More about me. <laughs> More yeah, about I have you. a big old question starting right out yeah. the gate. Again, for those people 
that don't know what a line producer is. Sure. I have the same question. Oh. Please ask it. I have the same question. Please tell me what a line producer is and does. And you how bet. do you do it for, for these shows? Yeah. How do you line produce for uh, uh, Bob and Dave? Comedy <laughs> shows. Yeah, I'll tell you. Uh, a traditional line producer basically handles all of the money and the hiring. They run the business operation of a film or a TV show. So uh, the director, of course, uh, makes all the calls on set and so on. A producer puts the team of people together. Uh, the line producer says, okay, we'll take the money from our financier and we'll distribute it accordingly. So they have to be responsible for where all this money gets spent. So you're a math whiz? Uh, I am not. Oh. But a traditional line producer is. And, oh, all right. Uh, Fantastic. Let me start by saying I am not a traditional line producer. Okay. I basically fell into that position by being the guy who was always around and they go, eh, we can trust Pardo. Uh, <laughs> He's so, never been arrested. Let's have right. him to deal that's with our right. money. Uh, so it, it pays to be detail oriented, which I happen to be. I Anal? Yeah, anal retentive. I've Great. been being accused of uh, in the past. I tend to call it conscientious. <laughs> I also tend to mispronounce it. I thought that you did that on purpose, like you were doing a con <laughs> and then being conscientious. Well, no, no. Oh, good. Uh, that was really clever. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's in a, in a field of creatives, which I uh, uh, you know always uh, wanted to be and profess to still be. Uh, it is more the analytical side and more the nuts and bolts side of filmmaking or TV making, as it, it were. It sounds hard and that nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to do it, yeah. and that's and those you know, are the jobs you can get. That's right. But you do have a lot of hiring power. You have right, so you basically have to hire everyone. Yeah. A traditional line producer would do that. Uh, in the projects <laughs> that I've been associated with, typically those <laughs> hires, those decisions have already been made. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I happen to work for a standalone production company, Absolutely Productions, uh, where all those decisions are kind of, uh, you know, within the company. Uh, it's the same uh, group of people that we tend to reach out to. You know, we built a network of people that we can trust, which I think is the same for most of Hollywood and filmmaking. And uh, we tend to keep that inner circle of people working. Uh, people come up through the ranks. You know, a lot of our company members were former interns um, that is not to say if you're an intern you're going to be a uh, company member sure. uh, mm -hmm. but uh, most of the company members uh, started as interns and so on so that's what a line producer does they break down the budget they look at the schedule they work with the AD department and they basically lay out how this project is going to get made where the money's going to go who's going to work on it whether or not people are doing a good job and then when the project starts and things keep going they keep an eye on, on where all the money goes they interface with the accountant and with the producer and with network to say Here's where the money's going. Here's what it looks Ooh. like we're going to have to spend. Here's where we think we're going to need more money. That sounds really stressful. So it, it can be very stressful, oh. which is why people don't like to, to keep do the it. laps no. going. I have, uh -huh. a, I have a follow up <laughs> I question. I really enjoyed yeah, that. You asked that a question good. about an accountant's position. <laughs> What's the difference between a line producer and a UPM, a unit production? There's manager? not a lot of difference. Okay, in fact, so it, those yeah. are almost synonymous? Yeah, a UPM on a film set is kind of the on set advisor to everything that goes on, right? They, 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 they run things from typically locations and sets and so on, mm -hmm. whereas the line producer typically sits in the windowless office. Oh no, you're not on set. Decisions. You're rarely on set. Ah, oh, boo. Yeah, I get lucky. I tend to kind of weasel my way into set Good. operations yeah. sometimes because we tend to be underfunded and understaffed. Oh, so they need you to go and show up and help I on show up set. and help out. I like so, hey, put that Snickers back. We don't have money for that <laughs> You, you know, are kind of like dad. Oh, uh, well. You know, you show up at the fair with the kids and you're like, all right, you can do that once. Yeah. Well, every set that I've worked on where the line producer or the UPM show up, everyone scatters because there's something, somebody's about to either get fired oh. or funding's about to go away for something. <laughs> oh, we don't have the money for whatever it is we're trying to do because... 
you know, he's, he's here. here. He's to, here. To Dad's date, back. to date, I don't have that kind of power. Oh, okay. oh good. Nor do I have that kind of personality. Yeah. So it would be tough for me to uh, kind of do that. But you do, you know, you try to set a, a standard. You try to create an environment where you know people aren't fucking around. You know, if it's people yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. We don't have money here, people. <laughs> where people uh, aren't brown, flush it down. <laughs> oh my gosh. So is it different for a film? Because it sounds like for a film, you mm -hmm. obviously would oversee everything till the production is done. Mm -hmm. Now, if you get it yourself involved in a television show and mm -hmm. it goes twelve episodes, are you, you are you then required to stay throughout, or can they swap out line producers, or is your job done after a while and things just kind of keep rolling? And you could always get fired. Hand uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Rule of Hollywood number one: you could always get fired. I think yeah. that's yeah, that's really true. But that's I mean, is it is it the kind of thing though where should you not get fired? Should you be good at your job? Mm -hmm. Once you get into it, you're like, oh, this is good because I'm in for twelve episodes or twenty two or however long. The no fun answer is it depends. Uh, typically, on the shows on which I work, the producer is in on it from beginning through wrap through delivery. Delivery meaning you give everything to the network or to the the financier, and they decide when to put it out, and your hands are you know clean after that. Um, for my particular position, for example, I'm doing a show right now with Absolutely Productions where we're going to shoot six episodes for Adult Swim. My job is only eight weeks, so my job is to come in and help the producer make sure that all the money is spent in the right places, and think of ideas about how we can save and how we can repurpose ideas and locations and people and personnel and so on, and uh, just make sure it all runs smoothly because there's no way a producer can handle all that stuff plus the stress of locations and so on and funding and scheduling and all those so I'm there basically as a, as a wingman to all of the the analytic side of that but then after my eight weeks that will continue on into post-production post and they'll do all the post and all the back and forth with networks and so on I won't be involved in that most of my job will have been done we'll say this is how much money we have for post-production so if you Good run luck. out yeah. <laughs> if, if you run out you have to go ask for more money which mm -hmm. is always a bad sign much like whenever uh, you do a budget for something in regular life, do you find that if you don't spend the money, you won't get as much next time? That's a really interesting question, and that's a kind of a <laughs> dilemma in filmmaking and uh -oh. in, in show business where, you know, I know there's the phenomenon where if you don't spend that money, then the network thinks, oh, then that's how much it actually takes to make that show. Right, but you might have product. just you had a lucky break money. or you were able to use a location differently than you would in something else. Right. Everybody's different. Mm -hmm. uh, the environment that I try to create is A, we're all going to be honest with each other. We're going to treat everybody really nicely. We're no, all going to be really go, nice to each other. That's where you go wrong right there. <laughs> You've lost a Hollywood. lot of people already, Jason. <laughs> I know. That's And that's why I work on really low-budget, deep cable comedy shows <laughs> and not on Michael Bay movies. Uh, uh, but uh, I also say that we're just going to be honest with each other and everybody. Every line producer has to hide money because there's always contingencies. There's always ways where you go over. There's always surprises and so mm -hmm. on. But I tell people that up front. Say, listen, we're going to put some money here for contingencies. And if we find that as we my cross trunk. <laughs> That'll be in my trunk. <laughs> my pocket. As yes. we cross a certain threshold, then we can start spending that money. But we okay. can't spend it now. It's just it's it's irresponsible to like spend that money now. Just like a dad. How do you I'm <laughs> telling you. No, no. I, it's I, just I, like dad. I work with people like this. You can't trust them. You can't trust them to, to to have the same attitude. No, no. Are you saying you can't trust Jason? No. What I'm saying is Jason is saying to people, oh, yeah. I have a bunch of money that we're not going to use yet. So let's not consider it money. So go do go build your house with the bricks you've been given. Right. If you need more bricks, maybe we'll use these, but don't consider these as part of your bricks. Right. The people I work with immediately go, hey, we got a bunch of bricks in Jason's trunk. We're using those bricks. <laughs> and some people do. And I'm lucky enough to work with people who get it. Wow. Who understand for that you. this isn't the way it goes. <sighs> you know, you I give them a certain budget. You know, <laughs> you What's say, the analogy I use at my work, my job? I go, look, you've got 12 bricks. That's all you're getting. 
I'm not going to tell you about the six I'm holding back. And that's probably the smarter way to do it because the general public tends to operate that way. Mm -hmm. Like how much do we got? No matter what you tell them, they're waiting to hear the bottom line. And when they hear the bottom line, they go, okay, let's go purchase bottom line spending. And then they turn around and go, hey man, it's actually more than the bottom line. And you look like an idiot at that (gasps) point. So you you have to kind of hedge. I was listening to Star Talk yesterday. You know, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Sure. He was talking about engineers. And if you just tell an engineer, go and build this and, you know, do whatever you got to do. They'll go, huh? But if you say, hey, go build this, and here's what we need specifically. It's got to be this length, has to fit into this box, run for this long, use this much power. Go, ah! And then they can work much more efficiently. Yeah, It Don't does help all? to focus, yeah. yeah. Certainly. If somebody says, hey, write me a funny scene. Okay, about what? Just something funny. Right. <laughs> You'd be yeah. hard-pressed. Yeah. But once you have the context for what you got to do. But once you know it has to be a polar bear that loses his home in the Arctic... But I'm Schneider. <laughs> exactly. Two and a half hours later, you got a script. <laughs> you do. <laughs> <laughs> Three and a half late, hours later, you got a movie. Yeah. It's on the screen that evening. Fuck, give me Schneider. Excuse my language. I'm so sorry, but I'm sure that's exactly the way it went down. <laughs> uh, so, fuck, give me the, Schneider. <laughs> so, with the shows you're on now, then. Yeah. yeah or not, well, you're on a show now. I'm on a it's show now. Decker, Luckily right? enough, Decker. Yeah, it cool. is. Uh, there's a character uh, named Tim Heidecker who is a character portrayed by the real life Tim Heidecker. Uh, that is a spinoff from a series called On Cinema, On Cinema at the Cinema with Greg Turkington and Tim Heidecker. Uh, it's on Adult Swim, and they basically do a kind of a review show, but it's a very quiet, subtle, uh, uh, select audience. <laughs> And that could be said for every project I work on. A uh, comedy show where... Uh, Welcome to the Movie Guys <laughs> Showcast. This is very select. Very select. <laughs> I don't mean small. It's just not for general consumption. Oh, no, you know what it isn't. Adult Swim is a, has carved out a niche for its own audience. Certainly. And, but pleases the hell out of them. And they love it. And yeah. with mm-hmm. good reason. It really delivers on that, on that, uh, on that promise. And this show is basically... Uh, I kind of characterize it as if a rich right-wing kid saw 24 and said... Oh, I could make that and star in it and write it and film it and shoot it and edit it. That's basically what Decker is. It's about a badass agent named uh, Jack Decker who goes in and kicks ass for America. And, uh, for America, everybody. Yeah. I have an iPhone. I can do that. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you see TV going that way? Uh, I had a talk with someone else recently about how all the on-demand, you know, with <laughs> Hulu, you can find a show from Adult Swim and just watch the clips you want. You don't have to watch the whole show. Certainly. So, uh, and why wouldn't it? And, right. you know, I steal from Dan Harmon in saying that a television was an appliance. And for a long time, that's the only appliance on which you could watch people's creations. And mm-hmm. once people got the keys to the kingdom and figured out, I can actually put that appliance in someone's pocket, then the jig was up. You know, there will be, in my opinion, in my uneducated estimation, there will be networks uh, forever, but not to the degree that there were in the past, just like there weren't titans of sports in the past. You know, there were titans of sports in the past. And then once people figured that out, everything gets, you know, everything gets gobbled up like a bunch of piranhas. And that's the way I think evolution works. And the evolution of our business is such that everybody's going to get a say, everybody's going to get a choice. And the short term... uh Memory, is that it? Or is the ADD addled society wants shorter and shorter content? So it's like, I got 12 minutes. Make me laugh, you know. And, that. and the competition is so fierce. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I don't know about you, but I did watch The Revenant, which I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to actually sit down for two and a half hours, you know, and Star Wars, of course, is a different fare because you're constantly being that, you know, your brain is being pushed with those buttons. But a, a movie like The Revenant, it's been a long time since I've seen a movie that kind of pensive and patient and so on. Uh, and to actually sit somewhere for two and a half hours in our lifestyle, uh, I don't know about for you out there 
in the listener land, uh, but in our lifestyle, it's just such a, a rare and precious gift. So, but that's now an anomaly. Mm-hmm. That is no that is that feels like oh yeah, I can't remember having sat that way. Even on an airplane, you are furious if you don't have something to do <laughs> at all times. Yeah. When before, you know, people getting on airplanes used to get sick because they weren't used to motion sickness. You know, it's used to wear a jacket and tie. Yeah. Used to get dressed up to get on the airplane. When I was a kid, we'd fly down to Florida and we'd get dressed to go to the airport. Sure. Now (laughs) you barely wear your slippers and pajamas. (laughs) Now I'm you're lucky if you get dressed. That's right. To go to the airport. (laughs) Yeah, and I know people lament that as a bad thing, but I actually don't. I just think it's the natural progression of where we are as human beings. Also the idea that it's a buffet society, we know exactly what we want and we want to get that. Like I like Colin Firth movies and I like things that are fun and, and are about love. So I want to see a bunch of that. So I, I don't choose to watch just whatever is put in front of me and it will be all these Kevin Hart movies or whatever. And I'd be a fool to go, no, no, you, you, your tastes aren't worthy right. of what we're going to make. Exactly. Instead, I go, hey, you want that? Great. I got a buddy who can make that. Mm-hmm. I'll make that for you. And I'll put that on the buffet and then you can check that and take it if you want. Uh, yeah. My friend Josh Dubose talks about King Ten uh, this way, the improv group that I'm a, a part of. Uh, you heard me. <laughs> When he says, you know, King Ten makes a certain, we make pancakes. And if you like pancakes, then you're going to like our show. Mm-hmm. But if you want something else, then you've come to the wrong place. Right. And you can't be upset. And you have to stay with that because you have to be true to what you do. I always right. say that about the guy from the Stray Cats. He played a certain kind of music and sure. he played it right on through the 70s, went into the 80s. Then all of a sudden it became popular. So that whole rockabilly thing became mm-hmm. a big thing. Yeah, he kind of had nothing he, going on, but he kept playing it to swingers. It. And post-swingers, all that music uh, came it, back. Yeah, and it's also sort of kind of made a comeback recently again. But it's just, he does, you do what you do well. You just keep doing it. And that's why he's known as that guy from the Stray Cat. Right. So, <laughs> I can't think of his name. <laughs> Brian Setzer. Brian that's him. Setzer. Oh my God. <laughs> and the Brian Setzer Orchestra. So, right. But, but that's why he's known. It. You know yeah. why? Because he's authentic. He right. didn't jump on and go, oh, fuck, guys, guys, we can do that. Yeah. That's like, no, this is my deal. Mm-hmm. And if taste comes around yep. and an audience is found for that, then it's authentic. And that's why it has lasting power. Yep. And that's why it has uh, some monicum of integrity, I think. Well, speaking of King Ten, mm-hmm. what music. are the perks of being one of the longest running uh, shows out there do you get uh, a following do you get into festivals here is all the, the above here's the number one here are the the two top perks number one you get to the play. women <laughs> oh, wait, what? the pussy <laughs> <laughs> excuse my crassness uh because it's completely the opposite way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the sausage you want <laughs> at the that's true uh the that number one thing true. is you get to play with people that you've played with for a very long time and typically they grow to be people that you love even yeah. if some of them you can't stand uh i hear you i do the movie guys every week <laughs> uh what? so to be able to continue to create you know as an adult uh is a rare thing and to be able to do that and to be able to play with these guys and to have a good time every wednesday night at 10 30 at the io west on hollywood boulevard <laughs> well, that's why we were able to get you today because we're recording a little earlier we normally record on wednesday yeah nice there you go. okay uh so to be able to play with them every week and have a standing gig to go to mm-hmm. uh when you go as long as I have an improvisation, which most people don't, uh, you don't do this forever, you mm-hmm. know, and I won't be doing this forever, but most people don't even do it for a couple of years. People get into it for a little while and do it for a while and have a certain experience with it and have some fun and maybe get on stage and maybe get on a team and maybe do some shows and maybe get a house and so on. But my experience is not most people's experience. I've been on two improv teams in my lifetime, People of Earth in Chicago, which ran for the entire six years that I was there, mm-hmm. and King 10 since I moved here, which has been 14 years now. 
now. That's Jeez. very cool. We yeah. moved here at the same time. By hey, the way. what do you know? No, what do you know? Uh, so uh, it's my my story is unique in that. And the number two thing is an audience uh, mm-hmm. because we've been there for so long, and because people know what pancakes they're going to get. Right. And because they program us to show directly after classes get out, mm-hmm. we always have a full house, <laughs> and that is just. Uh, Again, you don't get that. That's a gift for the improv world. It's a huge gift. For Unless the you have on stage. someone on stage who's currently in a television show, you're not going to have sold out audiences all the time. That's right. They, a- and it can't be a show that was on last season. It has to be right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't blame people. Improv is yeah. hard to watch. Bad yeah. improv oh. is. There's nothing worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Maybe the ballet. Paul. Noah Gregoropoulos once said, oh, uh, "If I had ten minutes to live, I'd want to spend it in an improv scene, a bad improv scene, because those things last." Forever. <laughs> <laughs> he nailed it. He nailed it. Yeah. Uh, so to have an audience and to have those guys and have a good time is great. Is the caliber of improv uh, that we're putting up uh, pushing the envelope of the state of the art of performance? It's not. But that's okay. We're at peace with that. You're Brian Setzering the heck out of that. <laughs> That's right. We do our thing, and we do it well, and if you don't like it, we understand. I don't blame you, Uh, but this is our gig. This is our deal, and if you enjoy it, come watch, because we'll do that. Have you you added to uh, the general Herald, or do you just nail that Herald every week? Uh, We tend to default to the Herald. Which is a long-form, I should tell. Yeah, it's a long-form structure. So if if you watch movies, you tend to recognize a pattern that comes up in storytelling. The same thing is true for Herald. There's a pattern that comes up (laughs) in long-form improvisation, and we tend to adhere to that pattern, not kind of as a guidepost, but almost as a fallback. Uh, the way we tend to go is let's let the suggestion, let's let the opening, let's let whatever comes up first in our show, let's let that dictate the form. And then we kind of follow that. We follow that lead. Mm-hmm. And we have a good time dissecting that and having fun. But if nothing crops up, if nothing becomes evident that, oh, this is the way, this is the kind of form that this show should take, then we default to the Herald, which is a series of recurring scenes with some games in the middle to interrupt that flow where everything comes together typically toward the end to form some sort of resolution story-wise, narrative-wise or universe-wise where all three stories kind of happen to come together and be in the same universe. Yeah, I don't weird... think there's anything wrong with that, though. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing the Herald. It's like singing a cl- uh, classic song well. Yeah. You know? Well, thank you yeah. for your permission to continue doing I'm what we've been doing. I'm glad you're doing it. Good for you. I feel like some people think that they have to change things to be, um, it's good to be different. Oh, certainly. And some people you go know? nuts about, uh, you know, crapping on different brands of improvisation. Yeah. About long form is such this, or comedy sports isn't comedy. I've done comedy sports. I still do comedy sports. It's, I love comedy short sports. Short form is a lot of and fun. And you know what? When two people, 200 people are sitting in the audience with their family roaring with yeah. laughter, you go, this is also improvisation. It's yeah. not the kind you would do. Just like, you know, maybe. Maybe Norm of the North isn't the kind of movie we would make. Right. And same thing with Paul Blart. My uh, wife's sister took her family to see. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm the defender of Paul Blart. <laughs> we You're like not. Paul Blart. <laughs> Everybody loved Paul Blart. Right. Everybody that went to see Paul Blart yeah. had a great time. I felt the same way about the movie Hitch. You know, I. Oh I, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like I. Got, Common denominator, though. Yeah. <laughs> right. Kevin James. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. Maybe that's why I jogged it. <laughs> But I sat there and I went, this ain't a bad movie. This is good. It's got surprises. It's well done. It holds well, here's up. the thing about all that. It's it's about finding your voice. And, and if you think about stand-up comedy, um, they build their audience 20, 30 people at a time. That's yeah. why it takes... 15, 20 years for Jake Johansson finally to have enough people to fill an auditorium of 20,000 people because you have to go out and do the road work and you have to go to a go to a Flappers in Burbank and of the 40 people that came out, maybe two are going to come back and see you. Yeah. And you have to do that over and over and over again until 
the two people from every audience that you've ever went to <laughs> log on to your website and watch you or go to your big arena sh- sellout. What technology has able, enabled us to do is kind of condense that process into just putting something on the internet. You don't have to go do 20 shows in Ohio just to pull 100 people for with you You know, the next time you go down the pike. That's right. And and there's nothing wrong with finding your voice and, and doing you know the thing that everyone likes or the thing that the people like because you're doing it over and over again. I, I've never had a problem with that. I've never... like. You know who Daniel Whitney is? I don't. He's uh, he's uh, Larry the Cable Guy. Oh, that's his real name. Oh, you wow. just outed him. Well, yeah, and, and he used Daniel Whitney has done Larry the Cable Guy jokes forever. Mm-hmm. And then when he realized, oh, if I put it in the frame of Larry the Cable Guy, it resonates with people. It's just it's just finding you your voice. You have to capture their their imagination. Yeah, too. and mm-hmm. that he's just doing it over and over and over again until, like I said, you pull the two people from every audience that you've ever been in front of, and now all of a sudden you're an overnight success, and everybody wants to go see Louis C.K. No, I trust you. Trust me, Louis C.K. did tons of shows where like three people walked out and went, "That was really good," and the other people are like, "This guy fucking blows." Mm-hmm. But you do that a thousand times. This guy's not very good. That wasn't and you. That was the audience saying that. <laughs> I was speaking for the audience. That's right. You're quoting them directly. <clears throat> well, let me... Uh, oh, you, you got a closing thought on that? No, I was just going to say, just take this whole part out, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I love this part. I love this. It's so all right, well, let me get back to movies for just a second. Ask you what I ask funny. every guest who comes sure, on the show. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite movie of all time? I Raising Arizona. Not, I like when they answer without thinking. Yeah, that I, was a good one. I know it's not the greatest movie of all time, but it or hit me at the time. Hang on a second. And it had an effect on me at the time, and the the advancement in filmmaking that it had given my eyeballs at the time. Uh, I just think it took a lot of chances. It's got fantastic character work. It's got fantastic storytelling. It's got some mysteries to it. It leaves unanswered questions. It's really spectacular filmmaking, especially for the time. Uh, it really, really hits me in, and I think it has defined. And you know what's funny? I didn't even see it when it came out. I saw it like five years after it had come out on cable, and I didn't like it when I first saw it. It left me mad at the end. <laughs> you know, I was confused. Because you couldn't figure out what the Woody Woodpecker tattoo was, That's right? That's right. I couldn't figure out Woody Woodpecker. Do you Woodpecker. know now? I, I have thought, no idea. I thought, uh, I think that they're kindred brothers. Okay. I Separated at birth? Yeah. Well, I think it's the whole, uh, the, 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 the diaspora. That's a word that I am not sure. capable of using. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is the Denzians of the deep and the and the, the the princes of light, you know, embodied in one human being. In other words, they're two sides of the same person. Oh, okay. That's my guess. It could be way off. The Coens may certainly know, and I don't. It'd be uh, like them to do that and then stick it in a comedy. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I love that movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite years for movies, 1987. People give the 80s a lot of flack, but no, man, Princess movie. Bride, oh, yeah. Untouchables, Lethal Solid. Weapon, Raising Arizona. Goonies. Like the, Ghostbusters. Uh, 85. Oh, we're 80s. just saying 80s. Oh, 80s. Yeah. I'm sorry. Right I was going 87. Ghostbusters, oh, Stripes, we're mean. right there. You said people harp on the 80s, so I thought the door is open to start talking about Die Hard. And <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, Raiders of the Lost Ark is my favorite of all time. That's 81. So. Oh, yeah. Planes, Trains, that's, Automobiles? That's that, that, might be a, that might be a leftover from the 70s. but. Uh, okay, well, listen, let's talk about... Uh... What did you see this week? What did you see this week? Adam Pascal. Great Adam Pascal, everybody. Uh, so what did you see this week? Well, listen, last week we brought it up and we went on and on and on about Star Wars. So we didn't talk about any of the films we saw over the holidays or recently. Uh, you said you saw The Revenant? I did see The Revenant. Yeah. I got a screener. 
got him to be in the Screen Actors Guild. Wow. <laughs> Very exclusive right. club around here. Yes. <laughs> With this face, how could I not be? We um we got our screeners, but we're not allowed to watch movies on the small screen when the ability to watch them on the large screen is in front of us. That's, right, Paul? Well, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rules of the, the House. The Revenant is a astonishingly well-made film. Certainly. The photography on the big screen. I mean, we had to wear jackets. Unassailable. I did, I did wear clubs. <laughs> Unassailable filmmaking. Yeah, amazing. Storytelling. Mm, thank you. Well, it seems like a very simple story, right? Yes. It's just yes. it's a revenge story. Yeah. Does anybody um, hear my dissection of my problem with the Revenant? Is I'd that love what we're, to. Is that what we're angling at? I have a problem with it, is so I'd like to hear. If it has spoilers, same. just let the viewers know. Cool. I don't know if anybody could follow me because I've said something similar to this a few times, and people kind of give me that blank stare and then go continue eating their lunch. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, there's going to be lunch. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, let's go back to raising Arizona, right? The budget meets the storytelling, meets the characters, meets the, the the way they play them, meets the camera work. Everything synthesizes, works together. Everything synergizes, I guess you'd say. Everything works together to hold each other up, to make something that's bigger than its component parts. Sure. Right? Yeah. For The Revenant, I feel like the length of the film met with the budget of the film, met with the scope of the filmmaking, again, which is just mind-boggling, jumps the story itself. For a film like Dances with Wolves, I oh. felt like it all gelled. It yeah. all worked. It all made sense. It all came together. The experience that you went there, it felt like everything worked together in time. It was, it was perfectly tuned. Here, I felt like it was too showy for the story they were t- trying to tell and therefore left me feeling like they missed just a little bit in that regard. Hmm. Now, granted, everybody on screen is doing things that I couldn't possibly hope to achieve, so I'm not dogging them for, for not being good at something. It just surprises me with that much work and that much money and that much time and that much hardship. The stories of that filmmaking are, are legendary now. Uh, it's surprising that they didn't get it exactly right. I almost wish I had seen the horrors of making the film because that sounds a little more intriguing than the simple story that we saw. You right. think that's on its way? If this movie oh, becomes be. as big as it should be, I wish that it documentary be. will come out like I the Hearts of Darkness does. type that thing. That would be really interesting. I can't believe most films don't have that. Right? If you've ever watched The Making of the Thing, for example, uh, number two on my list, uh, John, <laughs> Car- <laughs> John Carpenter's The Thing has all the DVD extras and so on. It's so fascinating to watch them pull all that stuff together and to recognize how much they did with how little they had. Mm-hmm. That's why films like The Revenant, I feel a little lit down because I feel like you have everything. You have no constraints. Yeah. And it doesn't work quite as well. I feel like, well, you know, look what Kubrick did with 2001 with limited technology and limited scope and, you know, all that. What he delivered, given what he was given. Really unique story. This wasn't a unique story. I don't think it was. Mm -hmm. But with that much unique filmmaking, I feel like, well, it just, you know, if you look at Star Wars, I feel like everything hit exactly where they wanted it to hit. The Force Awakens? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I think that's part. I think that's crucial. Well, you've said a couple of things that have elicited some responses. Don't I always? Said lunch. Yes, <laughs> lunch. lunch? Um, I may have heard boobs, but that might have just been up here. It might have been in my head. Um, I, I have long suggested and actually argued that difficulty in strife is the creative process. If everything's available to you, yep. then you're not being creative. If if all the bricks are available to you, then you you're <laughs> like, not being creative. And it's from the adversity of filmmaking that comes really good films. And so my my initial reaction is, yeah, I mean, if, if everything, if all the resources are open to you, then where are you being creative? What is forcing your creativity to come out? And secondly... Uh, somewhat as a as a dichotomy to that or a duality to that, 
because of the hardships of that movie, that mm. might actually have gotten in the way of the story. I don't know. The story's laid out on paper, so theoretically you shouldn't be able yeah. to... The, snow shouldn't be affecting the, the, the story unless you don't get to shoot certain things and you I'm have to make I'm surprised they even made that story. Not, not that it's a bad story. It's just an okay story. I concur. You know? Message is authentic. It's just an okay story. It's an okay story. He's attacked by a bear. I thought it was good. Ah! <laughs> I'll go further beyond that to say I that completely agree. Nature, it was good. Nature is a is a is a huge character in that. So I think all the time spent on involving it and shooting it and having its presence be so dominant throughout the whole movie. It, makes, it was a character. Makes the story yeah. uh, different, I think, than other mm. uh, westerns that have tried less. You know that have that have done less in its production to show you a simple revenge story. Certainly, um, it's, it's payback. And, and let's not forget Tom Hardy is also great in this movie. Because everyone's going on Tom about Tom Hardy DiCaprio. is great. He's Hardy's sensational. So good. He's he, sensational. I wish that Leonardo were another person I didn't know as well as Tom Hardy. I just saw Leo up there the whole time. I can't do Leo. I can't watch I can. him as a the, person. Uh, you know where I can do him? Leo. You know where I can do him is in The, the Great Beach. Gatsby. Uh, yeah, something where he's playing upper class and kind of rich. God, I, can buy I wanted that. to sex that man yeah. in The Great Gatsby. <laughs> <laughs> they shot him perfectly. He was exactly the character yeah. who he needed that's to be. That's Baz Luhrmann being in love with him. But that's really that's what you great. need. But that's what you need. Yeah. I know. But you need that role yeah. where that guy, the cinematographer, is in love with that guy. Yeah. For this, I felt mm. like, boy, he is outmatched performance-wise. Oh, Tom Hardy just left Again, him in the dust. I don't mean to rag on this. It's just yeah. it's so sensational. Again, it, it's just easy to, for me, at least, to pick apart and, and wonder what decisions were made at what time and why they were made. Obviously... DiCaprio on screen brings butts in the seats, mm -hmm. and that's understandable. What, especially with the way Steve Jobs all went down. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if you think back to a film like The Thin Red Line, has everybody seen Thin Red Line? Mm -hmm. Terrence Malick film for all you Malick heads I'm still out watching there. it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that to me uh, is a really long and sparse film that is all about the, the the fog of war and the frustration and the senselessness and so on. And that is a pervasive character in the film, and that pays the film off. Here with Man versus Nature, I would have loved to see how Man versus Nature paid off the climax of the story. That's again Where being said, said, super nitpicky. They whittled it back down to just two guys. It went back I down to two guys. There is a that. movie with ice. T, mm. a survival Surviving movie. the game. That, wow, that movie really was compelling. Was and he in a car? Was he driving around in a car? <laughs> no, he was being hunted by a bunch of rich white guys, mm -hmm. and they just left him in the wilderness, mm -hmm. and he didn't really have anything but his wits, and man, you are with it, because you want to figure out how he figures out how to survive, and... Talk about a clever movie that you don't know what's going to happen next. I was just flipping, and I started at the part where they're like, all right, let him go. I'm like, they're not going to hunt this guy. I couldn't leave the TV, and it was just like regular TV. Today, yeah. today the 10th. It was so compelling. Yeah, I was going to write down the day that Surviving the Game and The Revenant were compared <laughs> on the movie, guys. It, but it's that movie was really, I couldn't look away, and this one I could. First Blood, First Blood, the second act of First Blood, the second act of uh, the original Red Dawn. Same uh -huh. thing. It's all these guys Figures. having to scrap with the limited resources yeah. they have to make, to, to make it work. And again, all of that stuff in The Revenant was super compelling, but in the end, I don't feel like paid off to the degree where, uh, you know, John McClane's troubles pay off yes. at the end of Die Hard. Yeah. 
Oh. Paul, to help you remember that note, it's the, it's the same day that I confused Ice Tea and Ice Cube. <laughs> but that might not right. differentiate that, not that from any other day. Here's my day. Because you said Ice Tea, and I was like, is he in a car? Is he no, in a car? No, that's, that's Ice Cube's ice cube. in a car. Here's my day. I had a chance to see Beasts of No Nation, the Netflix film. Fantastic. On, on I've heard a, of this on, movie. In oh, wait, theater. Oh, wait, I had a chance to see it in a I was theater. thinking Beasts of the Southern Wild. Sorry. That's oh, right. that one's good. Yeah. Beasts of No Nation is, is an Idris Elba film yes, uh, yes. from Kerry Fukunaga, who directed the first season of True Detective. And it's about child soldiers in Africa. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, exactly. The wrong time to do it. Uh, <coughs> and so I saw that and Revenant the same day. That oh. I didn't want to sleep. Oh, my day. God. Beast of No Nation is... Who made you do that? <laughs> I, I wanted to see... I had a chance to see it in the theater. I know it's a Netflix movie, but that movie des deserves big screen attention. It's... It's so well made. Sure. It's dark as hell. Yeah, I can it imagine. It outdarks Blood Diamond. Oh. You know, Another DiCaprio. Yeah, who's great in that. But oh. Jaiman Hansu owns that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it, Elba's great. The child actor, and I've always said this, uh, well, I've always said this recently. Um, when I was younger, child actors couldn't do with them. Now they're great. A lot of, they're consistently putting in good performances, whether it's Moonrise Kingdom or The Impossible or what have you. Sure. Uh, and this kid, at the, or Beast of the Southern Wild, Certainly. That, there was an Oscar. In America. That's when it started In America. Me, the two kids girls. on that are amazing. E.T. E.T.? Rabbit okay, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The point is, this kid goes <laughs> right, through a ton of stuff. Uh, Baby's Day Out. <laughs> no, Rabbit Proof <laughs> Friends was, a doc was not a documentary, but it was a... Uh, You're right, it wasn't. But it, but it was... Uh, Right, there's the little girls that escape from the Australian film, Kenneth yeah, Branagh. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Oh, okay. Karen was laughing at my rabbit proof friends. I just thought of Nicole Kidman. It's not Nicole no. Kidman. No, it's not Nicole Kidman. Is that it's some rabbit sort hole. of rabbit hole? Are we uh. done? <laughs> Basically, see Beast of No Nation, <laughs> and if you so can't, so if you hate yourself, see that in the Revenant the same day. Yeah, they're that's brutal. A, they're that, brutal. That's a tough slog. Yeah, it's really good though, and it covers familiar territory as Ice far cream as was in go. that movie. You know, Bart, we oh, should we have a show it. where we talk about movies. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Uh, I, I was talking about last week how I wasn't emotionally attached to Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Didn't. Get, didn't reach No kidding. Me. Yeah, wow. it didn't touch me. Despite your Star Wars hat, I know you're currently well, wearing. Yeah, this yes. is also too big and truckery. I got to work that sure. out. Sure, but um, <laughs> so I went to see the Hateful Eight, uh -huh. and for some reason that did reach. I me. I loved it. Now, when it's over, you can point out all the script problems sure. that it has, just as you can The Force Awakens, or you apparently didn't. And who do cares that. if it works? Yeah, I didn't care. I didn't even so notice what those is script it? problems. There, there are. I just didn't even There's, notice. They'd be spoiler heavy. But no, so I, I love Hateful Eight. I cared about everybody, and everybody was so interested. So why did I, at the end of that, and I didn't at the end of Star Wars, when they both have script problems? Uh, because of everything you've done. the actors? Because of everything you've done in your life that led up to that moment. That's why. That's you, right. are, no. you are a sum and No, because you've seen this movie before. That Force Awakens oh. is too similar. I know this hurts a lot of people's ears, but the reason it was a letdown is because it was a beat-for-beat beat remake of A New Hope. Hateful Eight you have not seen, and if you have seen it, you've seen it in a very, very different form. This was so spot-on that I think that is why you walk away and go, it didn't have the impact on you because it's not new, it's not fresh. Oh, that's true. Uh, Interesting. Tarantino has this great thing, and I've brought it up here on the show before, that he does in his films, where he has this anticipation of violence. We're going to eat strudel and talk about something, but something's right around the corner. It's not going to be good for you. Opening, a whole opening of Pulp Fiction is leading to that violent confrontation in the apartment building, but we're going to talk about the big Amaka and pilots and foot massages till we get there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the opening of Inglorious Bastards, the ending of Kill Bill, it's all 
this tension leading to an explosion. Reservoir the, dogs. Reservoir dogs. The tavern scene in Inglorious Bastards. So, Let's play a card game until everything just goes, best goes well, crazy. It's, real quick, there's a red herring in in um, uh, Inglorious Bastards with the milk because that doesn't actually happen. Or do they actually end up where where uh, Christoph Waltz sits down and pours the milk and has that conversation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't really culminate, does it? But the whole time, you know, yes. she's knowing, she's yes. figuring out what he knows and he's not telling her he knows it. And yeah. it's just a whole other thing going on. Yeah. So Hateful Eight is a whole lot going on for two hours. And you like it because it's only two locations. It's oh, basically in a carriage and then in a uh, one room. And then the whole last hour amazing. is the, the, the explosion yeah. of the release of tension. So that became pretty exciting for me, more so than yeah. some other movies, even though but you could take it, even though you could pick it apart when it's it over. It could be the idea that, that Bart has the fact that you haven't seen that before. Even if you do disagree that there's elements of Star Wars that are new, there's some things that are the same. So I can see that. Yeah, it depends on what you like. Do you like new experiences? Do you like seeing, do you like, do you watch TV? Do you watch shows that recur every week because you know those characters right. and you have come accustomed to those characters? And you, you want to your see finger more of those on characters? It, Jason. Grandpa Caius only goes to places that he's been to before. <laughs> That's true. So you would think I would love yeah. The Force Awakens. I'm not going to a restaurant unless I've been there before. Right. right. You want right. to make sure you like it. But yeah. for whatever reason, I think, uh, but your comment about everything you've done that's led you up to this moment is also a big contributing factor. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was just so much anticipation, so much hype, so much to look forward to. Mm -hmm. I think that combined with what I suggested might be the problem is probably what left Paul where he was. It's a, I think it's also a generation thing because we have some friends that are in their late 20s, um, Calista and her, her boyfriend, and they went crazy when they saw this. They couldn't have been more excited. They were all about it, but they didn't get to experience it as a little kid in the theater like you did. So yeah. this to them is that, which makes sense to me because it's really exciting when you're a kid yep. and you're seeing it for the first time. Now, granted, they missed out and now they're in their late 20s, but this is the first time they're seeing Star Wars Absolutely. in the movies theater. Yeah, my point. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, the Big Short also came out and we saw Loved that. the Big Short. Yeah. Karen thought it, you'd use some relationships, but that's kind of movie she likes. that's what I like. I like. You and your boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the moment. Like There were specific moments in that movie that really struck me. And, Stupid lady parts. And it's when, <laughs> it's when the man goes to the house and there's a father and the kids are there. Mm -hmm. And um, not to ruin anything, I don't think it's a spoiler, but it's just more about... Spoiler. The uh, housing yeah, <laughs> market, market collapsing. Collapses. Kicks some people out of their house. <laughs> but he goes to the the actual home and we see a guy who says what we've all said which is I've been paying my rent to the landlord he hasn't paid his bills and the man just politely goes talk to your landlord because the man who with the child lives in a house and he is so excited to live in he's been paying his bills to the landlord who Ooh. isn't making the mortgage payment? So he's still going to lose his house. And if I'm mistaken the mortgage is made out to the landlord to the landlord in the landlord's dog's name. Yeah. So yeah. it was never an upfront thing on the part of the landlord. He was always a scumbag, but nice guy with kid who's working to pay rent on time doesn't have anywhere to live. Now, next if you're watching week. a Lifetime movie, that killed me. That's the whole plot. Yeah, but this is just like five minutes of the yeah, that's oh. just a little bit. <laughs> which runs through a lot of yeah. uh, material in its two hours and ten minutes in yeah. a whirlwind type of way. We're at the end of the movie. You won't like anybody who's no. in it, but it will be fascinating. <laughs> yeah. uh, Adam McKay. 
And yeah, Charles oh, Randolph, I may be getting that name incorrect, uh, wrote the script. And it's just, yeah, it's not relationship heavy. It is plot heavy. And they know they got to burn through it all mm-hmm. as most interesting way possible yep. with fiery characters. Yep. Christian Bale is brilliant. He's amazing. Holy cow. Again. You know, he would have been good in Revenant, Revenant as the Johnny Depp character. Not Johnny Depp. That would have been the good. Leo? The Leo I, character. I think he turned it down. Oh, he might have. He would. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. He would have been great. Because those two together, Tom Hardy, oh. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but uh, so I, didn't, short... I didn't recognize him. Maybe I'm wrong, but I know he turned something down. We make a lot it of stuff up on this show. It could have been right along, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was supposed character. to play the Joe Pesci character in the back of the car, mm. that Ken Jong. Uh, <laughs> rose up. He and... gets and sneaks it out of the But, uh, yeah, well, but I don't know if that was... We're talking, about, we're talking about the big short. Uh, yeah, you were saying the way that they tell it. I love watching movies where you can tell, or at least I do, uh, where I can tell, like, that's the idea that made this script really ramp into, oh, this is how we're going to do this on screen territory, right? Uh, there's Do people know about the device of uh, characters talking to camera and so on? Yeah, well, cut, I mean, it, cut it out if that's a spoiler. I no, no, no. It's not. It's interesting. I mean... Oh, in the big short, they do that? No, we should say the mm-hmm. things the big short does to make the financial story interesting. They do because that. if it's a Because I saw the documentary Inside Job, it won the Oscar, but that's not going to be for everybody. Right. It made me angry as hell, and I was in- entertained by the unfolding of all this stuff and mm-hmm. gaining more knowledge and learning about it and getting angry. But the big short does a lot with film devices and a lot with good acting and clever dialogue to get make all this stuff interesting. And I love that. I love when people have great ideas and they stick to them because on paper that is a tough sell. Yeah. But uh, Adam McKay and his you know strength of personality probably said, "This is the way I'm going to do this." And I know everybody doesn't get it, but this is what we're going to do. And obviously the actors got it who were portraying those uh, characters or themselves at times got it <laughs> and uh, delivered it in such a way that just I think made it really palatable and interesting. And and fun and kept you engaged where otherwise you would have completely fallen off the movie because mm-hmm. there isn't the traditional you know uh, relationships that most storytelling revolves it's around. very procedural yeah mm-hmm. it's a procedural that's well said okay well listen we're running out of time no There's no still a movies, ton of movies, other. Movies. i know we didn't get the sisters or joy or daddy's home or anything sisters are so good i baron holtz is a cutie patootie in that yeah mm-hmm. but uh we do have to get to karen's segment uh, bart did you have anything on tbs that you saw caddyshack well, you can't say anything bad about Caddyshack. This is who we are, and here is what we do. What we do, here's what we do. TBS. There you go. Bart watches theme. a lot of TBS. Uh, I don't leave the house much. <laughs> it's the grand finale, or the grand finally of our show. Uh, let's have Karen run through the celebrity birthdays in her segment. Karen's birthday! Let's start off our week of birthdays by wishing a very happy birthday to Mr. Howard Stern. Yay! Howard is turning 62, and he can play, uh, he's turning 62, but he can play anywhere from the king of all media to the king of new media, having just re-signed for renewing his contract with Sirius Satellite Radio for another five years. Good for him. Mm -hmm. And I think seven years in other ventures. Uh, He's going to do his show in the form that it currently is for five years. And then continue on for another two With years? new content of some kind, I think, for 12 years For 12 total. years. Oh, I think wow. it's seven on top of Are the they five. still talking about lesbians over there? Not as much. No? Stern's okay. interview with J.J. Abrams is one of the most <sighs> compelling interviews I've ever heard. His interviews have taken over lesbians. Oh, so he's still lesbians. talking about lesbians. <laughs> 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 now, um, he obviously is the king of the whack pack, and he has a number of them. But I'm just curious, being that we're all Stern fans, right? Who is your favorite whack packer? Mine is uh, Gary the Conqueror. Now, is this uh, all time? Like, all time, like the whack sure. pack sure. goes all the way back to like yeah. Elephant Boy. And it's probably Crackhead Bob. 
<laughs> uh, you I, like I, Crackhead Bob? I love I Gary do. the Conqueror. He's so sweet. When he went to the moon, come on. Uh, I did like Elephant Boy. I liked um, Richard Christie. Is that his name? Yeah. Oh, well, he's a staff he's member. He's a staff oh, member. <laughs> I'd say I don't know how that I don't know how that team gets broken up over there. He has a quiet genius to him that oh, I. Yeah, those that, guys are brilliant. That yeah. It took me a while to appreciate. Uh, but when he did that bit where he does the thing where it repeats what he's saying, <laughs> oh, the prank phone calls are off the charts. <laughs> good, I'm, I'm brilliant. Serious. Uh, so I'm going to go with Ele- Elephant Boy. Is he Whack Packer? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd probably say Fufa. But Ooh, who's I Fufa? may be thinking of the character from Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> <laughs> because I have that seen more Yo Gabba Gabba ah, than right. I've heard Howard Because Stern. you have children. That's right. Oh, that's right. Okay. That makes sense. We'll give you a pass on that. <laughs> Thank but, you. Uh, Eric, the actor? You guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's, he's pretty so I'm unfamiliar. But, God uh, rest his soul, right? Yeah, 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 he passed. And we just lost Riley Martin in like the last week. Yeah. Or so. Those whackpackers got to get themselves in shape. Jeff the Drunk <laughs> and Eric, uh, high pitch Eric, are not long for this world. All right, Paul, real quick, yours before I go on to this interesting fact right. I saw on IMDb. Who's your favorite? Crackhead. Crackhead. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, I was looking at his IMDb page, and this just floored me. Private Parts is not listed on his IMDb page for a movie that he's in. I don't know if it's a mistake or what, huh. and I double and triple checked it. It's listed in IMDb, but it doesn't connect back to his actor page. Huh. But That's insane. There are some movies. That, actually, it's listed as the writer of the book, but not his movie Private Parts, which is great. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's Quick really... to the internet. Quick, everyone. Post that edit. Fix it. But do you know, he, he has a couple of movies that he was in. The okay. very first movie was called Rider P.I., and he played Benoit, a TV commentator. Oh, boy. Do you know anything about that? I can guess that it's not good. <laughs> oh, I know. It can't be good because when you look at the video, uh, the, the front of the poster now, it's the whole um, writer PI, but then in the corner is a picture of Howard Stern mm. saying Howard Stern is in this movie. When the character's lead title is named after a sexual toy, right. you've got to guess that it's not a good <laughs> yeah. thing. That's where I've heard that word before. <laughs> and then this is most recent thing that I just found fascinating. Something called I Spill Your Guts in 2012. It was directed by James Blasamo, and Howard plays himself, Howard Stern, in there, along with Lloyd Kaufman. What if it's a documentary about mm. something? I but spill your guts, radio, feels, radio guys or something? It feels, must be. must be. But Lloyd Kaufman plays a character named Pop. Well, so, that's just Lloyd being Lloyd. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's continue our week of birthdays for the good-looking guys out there. Now we're going to wish a happy birthday to John Lasseter, who turns 59. But he can play any way from a visionary animated director and producer to a Hawaiian shirt model. <laughs> okay, Karen, yes. I'll ask. Who's John Lasseter? <gasps> and what's a Hawaiian shirt? No, Who what's the is Hawaiian John Lasseter? Oh, he is known for directing Toy Story, Toy Story no, no. 2, Toy Why Story 3. Why the Hawaiian 3. shirt model? Oh, he, he, that's all he wears. Oh, Our Hawaiian oh. I thought there was like a catalog with John Lasseter. I know who John Lasseter is. <laughs> I, I, I didn't understand the Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, all no, he all oh, he oh. wears. As a matter of fact, he's worn them for so long before he became famous for Toy Story and all yeah. of those. That now he has so many of his characters in Hawaiian shirts that he can wear Hawaiian shirts with his stuff in them. This all makes sense. Though. And it all came full circle. He's got yeah. an entire wardrobe of now Pixar Hawaiian I'm glad we do this show. We learn things. I learn things. Keanu Reeves, Cool Breeze. Cool Breeze. Mm. Uh, but I was just curious. I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there at the table. Not only did he direct, but he also produced over 84 pieces of animation, Pixar and otherwise. What is your favorite Toy Story movie? Toy, Toy, Sto- Toy Story. I'm sorry. Your favorite Pixar. 
I apologize. Pixar. Well, you fed it to us now. There's no <laughs> way we can extract that from our minds. Uh, Toy Story 3 is uh, probably in my top 10 films of all time. I cried. I cried. You know, I have it I at home. I watch it with my kids all the time. <sighs> It is a sensational piece of filmmaking. When the crane rescues them at the oh. end, it takes you back Spoiler over three. Alert. Takes <laughs> you back over three films. That, of course, the Deus Ex Machina of this entire tale is be. that the that... aliens save them, yeah. and it's 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 it makes me uh, tear up just thinking about it. I four agree. is on its way. Four, I guess they'll yeah. have more adventures with Bonnie. I was just gonna say, oh, man, mm. you guys, you did it. Just. Leave it. Did we ruin it? Just I no, no. Oh, I know. I, I would say that if each one weren't more brilliant than the one. I, I'm with you. Cars mm -hmm. were like I don't need any more cars movies. But I'll take <laughs> another Toy Story. I loved Up. That was my favorite. Up is my favorite. I can't even. You take that three sec, uh, three minutes where she pulls out the book of her adventures and then she had this wonderful life with this man she loved. Oh my god. <sighs> yeah. Can't Am I even. in movie jail? I don't think I've ever seen a Pixar movie. What? That's not possible. Not Toy Story? How not is seen Toy Story. Hey, let me roll through. Toy Story. Nope. Toy Story 2. No. Toy Story 3. No. <laughs> a Bug's Life. Uh, is that the... Uh, no, that's not the ant one. No, nah, I saw the ant one. The yeah. Incredible. Oh, you saw that. I saw the ant Incredibles? one. Incredibles? No, he didn't see uh, it. I did see the Incredibles. Up. Brave? Oh, okay. Up. No, no. Finding Planes. Emo? Planes Fire and Rescue. No. <laughs> no. I saw... Well, I, yeah, you, I saw the one... You saw a Bug's Life. Was I mean, you're not life? cool, but you're, <laughs> it, you saw I think, one. I think he saw ants. No, he I saw, saw ants. the dark one. Oh, you saw ants? He didn't not, see Bugs Bugs life. Life. not Bugs Life. Not Bugs Life. Wait, does Bugs Life have uh, David Hyde Pierce in it? Monsters, Inc.? Yes, it does. Yes, then it I does. saw that oh, one. Okay. Because character. I thought it was Woo. brilliant yeah. that they had outtakes at yeah. the end. Yes. yes. That yes. is such a clever... They do that in a lot of them. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah they So do. that's my favorite Pixar movie. All right, good. Good to know. Toy Story 3, check it out. Well, Mr. Lasseter's favorite movie is Dumbo, and he was really influenced a lot by Walt Disney, obviously. He went on to become someone uh, who not only did animation, but produces it and writes it and directs it and all that. Lovingly so. Lovingly so. He, this is kind of cute. He won his first award at the age of five when, this is his animation award, sort of, when he won $15 from the Model Grocery Market in Whittier, California for a crayon drawing he made of the Headless Horseman. Wow. So that was the first time he was recognized for his artistic abilities. It's a little dark, but all right. Yeah, Headless Horseman, of all things, at the age of five. But <laughs> I think winner. they just gave it to him as like, let's just not upset the child. Let's just. Well, he probably him. saw the Disney Ichabod Crane. Uh, okay. uh, well, here's cartoon. what he did. He actually yeah. turned in a page that said the Headless Horseman's headshot, and it was just a blank page. <laughs> Brilliant. Like and that is kids. so Pixar. Hey, got talent. Exactly. That kid. <laughs> yeah. Smartest thing they, Disney ever did, though, because yes. when I heard they were going to buy Pixar, I went, uh-oh. Pixar should operate on its own. But the smartest thing they did was say, we're going to buy Pixar. And last order, why don't you take over the entire animation department? Right, because he... And then he made a... Then he, I think I think he had something to do with revamping Bolt, and that becomes a really good that movie. Was that was a good movie. Great yeah. movie. I cried um, in that one, too. And then the, 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 the sequels, I... I worry about a little bit but uh, I mean with Inside Out you can't argue that they're still doing great stuff yep mm -hmm. so. and the overall oh, yes. and the overall Disney animation is doing great stuff too yeah he um, said uh, Ralph, in one of the things on IMDb one of his quotes was whenever he went to Disney he felt that Disney got to a point where they decided that people no longer wanted the kind of animation that was being done and they've grown tired of it so he was they're updating their animation and no longer worried so much about the story and he came in and he said no 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 People didn't get tired of this animation. Hollywood got cynical about the uh. animation. And then he changed things and made it more about story. And the fact that if you have a story that's compelling, you don't have to have cutting-edge, state-of-the-art technology. You just tell your story. You barely have to have anything. 
Just tell great... it with what you got. Yep. It doesn't matter. And being a line producer, who would know that better than you? <laughs> That's right, folks. I can be reached at. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But Bart, you know how much I love it when celebrities sing. This is true, Jason. They, they come up to me all the time and they say, tell me two interesting things about Karen. And the first thing I tell them is that despite yes. what you've heard on this show, she loves to talk about movies. Right. As long as she doesn't <laughs> have to remember names, characters, places, titles, or plots. Uh, and then the second thing that she loves is when celebrities sing. Right. I do. I love that. So I decided not to have John Lasseter sing, but... I decided we should all get to listen to a little something from Toy Story with my boyfriends Randy Newman and Lyle Lovett singing You've Got a Friend in Me. Aww. I love when Randy Newman sings this song. I do too. They're both quirky. Anyway, here it comes. You can enjoy it. You've got a friend in me. And that wraps another movie showcast, everybody. Together we're the movie guys. Individually, we are still guys. You can follow us on Twitter at the movie guys for daily jokes and links. Also, Facebook.com slash the movie guys and get the show on iTunes, Vimeo, YouTube, SoundCloud, Vine. Plus, we're on Instagram, LinkedIn, all that shit. Thanks to Jason Pardo. Hey, Jason Pardo. Where can we find you in the world of social media? <laughs> we're, uh, boy, you'd be hard pressed. I'm sorry. I'm not a social media person. Is King 10 out there? Uh, it is King 10 at ioimprov.com and I think it's also King 10 on it just just bing it everybody <laughs> bing it's it bound to come up <laughs> bing it uh, all right plus uh, thanks to Steve Schultz for his writing contributions to the show every week and hey, as Steve always Schultz. Yeah, yeah, Steve Schultz yeah Steve Schultz he's a Chicago guy sure uh, we owe everything to Pat Pat Peach and we're taking another quick break next week uh, but only to bring you a best of show for the best sketches and goofery of 2014 and 15 great because we don't take a lot of time off but next week we will but that best of will be uh, if you just started listening it'll be a whole bunch of brand new stuff so there you go uh, back again the week of the 26th with more new movies we'll see you then thanks Jason thank you thank you